Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a fabulously lovely new guest to the show. She's wonderful, she's beautiful, and she's highly intelligent. Welcome, Miss Brandy Renee. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. You are so welcome, and I'm so very glad that we're going to be uh, doing our little show together today. And I want to um, introduce people to you that have never met you before or never run across you before because you're very interesting and you're very, very smart. So tell me like a little bit, a little bit of background about you and like what you're all about. Um, well, I... I was born in West Virginia, grew up there for a little while, and then from there I moved down south. Um, and that was during the teenage years, so my southern accent, it, it, <laughs> it, it came on. You early. still got it. <laughs> um, so, yes, this, this little southern bell does have some fire. Um, <laughs> I am a Navy veteran, so I've been there and did that. Uh, after that, I worked at a hospital for a while doing medical records and such. Mm. Um, yeah, Fun like, I'm going into like the health industry, but mm -hmm. it happened. Um, after that, I went over to a nursing home and I was doing their medical records there. And then I got moved to payroll, which I felt was irresponsible of them because I was like, that is a lot of responsibility. And I don't think I can move for that. But I did. I am I not did. the right person for that job. I know. I was like, y'all are just trying to get me fired. <laughs> um, after that, I moved into mental health. So I have been in the hospital field. I have been into the nursing home setting, rehab facility. And then from there on, I have been in mental health. So this may sound like a crazy question, but what got you into the healthcare industry in the first place? It... I guess my qualification is like coming out of the military because when I was there, I was more like, I hate to say, like, it's a yeoman, which is like a generalized description of what they would consider admin administrative support. Um, mm -hmm. So the, what I did there was really just um, proofread directives, uh, go through classes, certain different classified information, uh, mail stuff off. Uh, we had like uh, manuals and um, such like that. That's what I would go through and, revise and update with that so did you send classified information to hillary clinton not that i'm aware of <laughs> i did work for some pretty high up admirals and that's what i always surprise people about it's like you know this is how i know and it, i had to laugh like the whole Corey good situation and what was that that movie he did with um david wilcock and they were like talking about this this secret location where they had these secret meetings in this tower in San Diego. And I was like, no, I don't think so. That's where we kept our paper, but that's a cool story. <laughs> cool story, that. bro. <laughs> no, I, was like, no, I, I was in that tower. Um, so I think they just, they needed somebody who could memorize numbers really well. And in the military, they, they teach you how to group numbers in order to be able to recall them 
uh, quickly. So that was, I remember taking the test and that was the thing they wanted that you could remember names, how they were spelled. And you were good with memorization of numbers and stuff because they don't want you sending the wrong person's information, you know, cause that's a big HIPAA violation. So they mm-hmm. were like, if you're getting a social security, if you're getting a Medicaid number, if you're getting a medical record number, it needs to be the right number. We don't want you getting us sued. <laughs> so I think that's what they did. <laughs> they were like, okay, she's got the discipline and she's got the numbers down pat. So here we go. <laughs> so what made you go into the military? I, mm, I was bored. Well, I was bored and my parents weren't exactly going to pay for me to go to college because uh, I was kind of a rebel. Go figure. Um, so I like revolted <laughs> against all that. They were was? Like, oh. Was? <laughs> Look, <laughs> life only teaches you how to be smarter at hiding it and mm-hmm. use better words at describing it. <laughs> so I was sitting there watching TV in the floor and uh, I was like, yeah, I was, I was 19 and yes, I was underage, but I was eating pizza and having some beer and I was like, I need to like do something with my life and I just don't want to sit here and I'm doing the same thing every day. It's like, I'm just going to do this. What, what could happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. A lot could so, happen. I can tell you, but yes. <laughs> so where, how long were you in and where were you, where were you stationed at? I, um, I did four years active and then four years reserve. Uh, I did, but I was so dumb as a kid. I went to boot camp in Chicago in February because again, I'm, I'm I was a stupid kid. Oh my God. <laughs> Right? Yes. I'm, dumb. I'm so dumb. There was days we couldn't go outside. Uh-huh. It was so terrible. When I left there in April, it was snowing. Mm-hmm. And I left Chicago, flew down to Mississippi, where in April, it was hotter than hell. Hotter so than hell, like, yeah. I went from snow to, oh my God, Mississippi. <laughs> and that's where I did my training at. And then from Mississippi, I was stationed in San Diego for all my four active years. So I didn't ever Mm -hmm. have to go out on a ship. They said, if you get at the top of your class, not only do you get to choose the locations where you want to go, but you won't get put on a ship. And I was like, sounds like I need to start studying. (laughs) (laughs) Study check. (laughs) Yeah. I can't be a kid no more. So how did your parents react when you decided to enlist? They were shocked. <laughs> they were like, are you, why? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not what they expected. I mean, my grandfather was in the military, but that was it. Like nobody else even talked about it. Mm-hmm. Like it was an option in their life. It was just like, God, why? Why would you do that? And I was like, I know, right? I know. But then as I look back, it's like, that, you know, the best way to know your enemy is become friends with them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were friends. <laughs> oh, boy. So let me ask you, um, I know we had a little bit of discussion prior to about um, your life and events and things like that. And people that listen to my show love hearing personal stories and journeys and stuff like that. So you mentioned something to me that was weird 
Um, but intriguing at the same time, you mentioned to me about internal bleeding. What in the world happened? I don't, this is going to be awful, but I'm going to tell it like it happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I had this, it was about 10 o'clock at night. I had this pain that I, (laughs) what I could describe that was like, if a little midget came by and just stabbed you in the stomach. It was horrific pain. It had to be a midget. Yeah, because it was just that high. It was just that high. Um, and at first, I was like, okay, maybe it's like a pulled muscle or, you know, I've never had any type of, um, it, you know, like a cyst on the ovary or something. I was, my sister had described it before, and I was like, okay, maybe it was something like that. I've just never experienced it. So I get up and as soon as I got up, just stars started coming down. I was like, oh my God. So I held onto the wall for a second just to get my bearings and I'm walking naked through my house to go to the bathroom. It's like, I'm starting to drench, just sweat everywhere. And I was like, I need some cold water like now immediately to snap out of this. So I, I go in there and splash myself with cold water and I make my way back to the bedroom and I like throw on some shorts and stuff. And I, I, was, I was like, Oh my God, now it feels like you have the worst gas ever. Like I could barely breathe without it hurting. And it was just up my back and in my chest. So I was like, okay, I'll just like sleep with a pillow upright. So I, cr- I sat down on my couch, crossed my legs, put the pillow right between it and put my head on top of the pillow and just hugged it all night like that. Mm-hmm. I get up that next morning and I thought I was going to die. Like my entire body seized up like contractions. I, I don't even know what a real contraction is because I had good medicine before all that hit, but I can imagine that's probably <laughs> what it felt like. <laughs> Cause your whole, my whole body like seized up. And the only thing I could do was scream because there was no relief. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. It was just, horrific and so my boyfriend at the time and my daughter were like I think you need to go to ER and I'm like I think y'all are crazy I ain't doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> they like but seriously I've worked in like, the hospital system no thank you <laughs> well, I'm like I'm all right I'm okay seriously I can just probably walk this off so I tried to get up again and oh my god the same thing happened it was just so excruciating they was like I don't care. You're going. What is this? We can't even help you. You can't breathe. What what are you doing? We're going. So we get there and the first, yes, there was like this hospital mistake, of course, but I get there and they're asking me, you know, what's going on and everything. And so they were like, okay, what was going on? What were you doing when you felt the pain? And I was like, I was having sex and, you know, the thought did cross my mind. Was it too rough? And they were like, it's okay. No, just, you know, um, just tell us, you know, if you think it was rough, you can note that we know where to look. You know, they were kind of just trying to look. And while that was going on, um, let me let him out. He's just being a pain. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Get out. Come on. 
he has beef with the cat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm telling them, you know, like where the pain is um, around what time it happened. You know, the whole story of that. I got up on the couch and la la la. And they were like, okay, so th- this happened yesterday. You're just now coming in. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, and? last night, yes. And it just kept coming, like these pains. So I, they put me in MRI and they were like, we can't find anything. Um, but we do see that you are bleeding internally. It's up in your diaphragm and that's what's causing this pain. And as soon as they said that, another nurse walks in and she's like, look, y'all did all the wrong things. When a woman comes in saying that she has pain in her chest and her back, there's other things that need to be involved too. That's, that's signs of a female heart attack. We need you can't just be throwing her in an MRI Mm -hmm. but luckily enough it wasn't that but they did not know where it was coming from or what caused it because they couldn't find the location so they tried to give me two shots of morphine which I told them like that is not going to work I know this pain give me some really good muscle relaxers this is the problem Mm -hmm. but nope Two shots of morphine. I'm still screaming at him like, I told you, I told you. Um, so they admit me to observation and they finally let me eat something because I, you know, I still have my appetite. I was so, I was starving because, you know, ER, mm-hmm. they don't know when to bleed. And you're there for an eternity. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I'm there just bleeding out, you know, internally this entire time. But so they were like, okay, well, it doesn't seem like you're getting much more fluid internally. So they think that the, you know, the bleeding had stopped since they couldn't find where an act of bleeding was. So uh, they kept me for observation overnight. The next morning they come in, they check again. They were like, okay, no, you don't have any more, you know, according to weight and and, uh, blood pressure and stuff like that. They was like, we don't see that it's an active bleed. Um, you're just going to have to pretty much over the next couple of days, it, you're just going to, your body's going to absorb it and excrete it out. Like urine, all that stuff. You're just going to absorb it and your bloat will go down. And that's exactly what happened. So even after I went back to get checked, there was no, no indication of scarring or anywhere that they could find where this bleeding had occurred, but just, like that it was they couldn't even find out why or they had no it's so random yeah were you on like any meds or anything at the time no that's so weird yeah it just came and went within a day so when you went in and you were in excruciating pain how long did you have to wait in the er Oh, it wasn't until that first scream they were like, "This is, this isn't right. <laughs> There's something way going." On. Yeah, maybe we should stop ignoring her now. <laughs> yeah, because they were, you know, that's the first thing they do. They shove the forms, and then you start screaming. They're like, mm, "No, we can figure this out later." <laughs> yeah, like oh, I'm not in the mood for this. I can't move. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the healthcare industry is a is a something. That's why I'm super glad I'm not in it anymore. Because I spent my literal entire life 
in the medical industry oh, no, it's, it's until so I retired. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I did everything under the sun. I did, you know, billing, coding, home health. I worked as a um, autopsy assistant. I was a nurse for a really long time. I mean, I've been in every aspect, billing and collections and appeals and all of that stuff. I did yeah. literally everything. And I'm like, it has changed so much that I just, it's not for me anymore. Oh, you, you would definitely hate it now because um, now they're privatizing Medicaid. Mm -hmm. And that's just awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. Um, I came from Indiana and Indiana did that a long time ago where, you know, they had um, like their, their privatized Medicaid. And then of course they still had state programs and stuff too, mm -hmm. but it, it was such a mess. And the pay structure was a mess and just everything about it was awful. <laughs> uh, it's taken them three, at least three or four years to talk about getting mm -hmm. the system to go. Mm -hmm. But every time they say, oh, it's going to come now, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's next year. They got mm -hmm. the day right. Because they just want to keep it a chaos. Right. So what, what was it like, um, like when they switched everything over to the ICD-10 coding system? What was that, it like at your facility? That wasn't too bad because with mental health, you have some pretty much standard coding. And so it might have been mm -hmm. off like one or two, but it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't so bad. Let me tell you what was bad. COVID coding was horrible. Mm -hmm. I can all imagine special codes, all these special pay. It terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. It's so terrible. did they did they force like all of the residents at your facility or in the treatment facility to get jib jab? No, 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 no. They did not um, at all. Well, we were like, I'm lucky. I work from home. I've mm -hmm. always worked from home. Um, I think the first two years I was with them, I, you know, I just went from di our different locations, but pretty much most of us work from home. Mm -hmm. um, I even protested when they tried to have us call in and do this daily health check. And I was like, my daily health check is none of your business unless I cannot work. Then it's your business. So I'm not answering that. And I work from home. So eat it. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's my legal right. We have legal on staff he should know better and don't make me copy him in this email because i will well you're really lucky because a lot of places a lot of healthcare facilities that have um work from home staff or even like well to work here period you have to get vaccinated you have to do this it's mandatory and i was like why if you're in your own house like What's yeah. the point? And they were like, well, because we said so. And we, you know, this is our facility and that's our rules. So a lot of people quit their jobs. I mean, yeah, that's a better choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You don't need, you don't need the help. Then. So with your, with your internal bleeding story, have you ever had any more problems with it since? No, no. Just random out of the blue, and then it went away, and 
whatever on its own and now you're good. Yeah. So yep. It, it is so, it's so weird. I, I just, I don't know. I, you think bleeding internally, that's like a really severe situation, but, mm -hmm. and for them to be like, it looks like it's clearing up on its own. There's nothing for us to do here. It was just like, uh, Oh, Okay. I'm just going to say that must have been some stellar boop boop to <laughs> maybe I know it was like maybe I guess it's possible but then again it's like if it was I thought they'd be able to tell but I, you know okay and if, <laughs> and if it was up by your diaphragm unless he was like the length of a baseball bat that's probably not what caused that. Right. I was just like, it wasn't that wild now. I mean, but it was pretty, you know, because my mom was like, you did what? I was like, not mom. God, don't make me tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> it's TMI for you, mom. TMI. <laughs> Those are stories I prefer to keep to myself. But yeah, patients would tell me like the craziest stories about well, stuff they didn't want they didn't want to be honest with the doctor and right. so they would come in and of course they would see me first and it was like uh yeah i have this giant vaginal tear whatever and and at first it was like they would tell me a story like i was riding a bike and you know hit a bump and hit the bike seat real hard and that's out tour and i'm like really mm -hmm. what kind of was the seat on <laughs> and i'm like now what happened really and then they would tell me and oh my god i heard some of the craziest stuff that i've ever heard in my life being a nurse um oh, yeah. i was gonna say medical records i've seen stuff i the most it, interesting yeah. um things ever that you can imagine and you know it's like people are very nonchalant about it they're like oh yeah it's, Mm. I've seen a stretcher long colon because mm -hmm. uh, that's how impacted this woman was. Mm -hmm. They put her colon on a stretcher. That's all. She died, of course, but I was just like, how do you, how long did you just live with that? I th I would know something was immediately wrong if I was right. not like going on a normal basis. But there are people that are like, it's nothing for them to go like every five days or whatever. And I'm like, that's yeah. not, that's not normal at I all. Not unless you just don't eat. I mean, it, the way they even described it is like her stomach was so distended that you could literally, it was getting ready to just burst open. Oh, I'm sure. And that, ooh, can you imagine the massive infection that would come after that? Oh my God. I mean, the, the, what she already had killed her. So that, uh, I just, I don't know. It's like who lived with her? You know, you start getting into that after you get over the shock of like, oh my God. Then you're like, was she alone? Did she not have anybody to talk to? Did nobody know this? Nobody seen this? Mm -hmm. yeah. Had nobody knew, to, knew that her stomach was growing exponentially. Right. Cause like, you, that's visible. You can see that. Yeah. Uh, health care for you. So, I'm going to put you on the spot. <clears throat> so tell me, because we talked a little bit um, about your marriage. 
um, and it ending. And you said it was over pride and ego. I want you to tell me about that because I bet you money. There's a lot of people that can completely understand that. (laughs) It was kind of, I hate to say you get in kind of a competition with the person that you live with, but sometimes it does kind of like feel that way where somebody will be in charge of something and you feel like they, they think that that they're the better choice for it. And you start getting in this nagging or nitpicking situation. And if you don't ever talk about it, it just kind of festers and snowballs. Mm -hmm. And Aris was just like, he, he was going out of town because he had jobs that, you know, he would go out of town and stuff like that. And so when he would come back, he really didn't like to do anything or go anywhere, but you know, he had his friends and the gym and it just seemed like we were never spending time together. And I really wanted to, but he wasn't there. And the stuff that I wanted to go do or just go out to do anything he didn't want to do. So I ended up having my own friends going out and doing that. Mm -hmm. And it came to where it just seemed like we were just cohabitating kind of, even though, you know, like we really still loved each other. I, I was, you know, a sappy one that would go by and leave a sticky note on his car at the gym, just to be like, Hey babe, love you. You know, mm-hmm. we're going over to the mall and stuff like that. Um, but then it, it just seemed like he was feeling the same way I was about you're just spending time with your friends and he's just spending time with his friends. And instead of us, just really tackling that it was more of we're going to start going to the control factor like well you don't need to be doing this and you don't need to talk to them I'm starting to suspect you of doing this and that it just got to the point where he was like okay well if we're just going to live two lives then you can just pay half the rent and I was like well if I'm gonna pay half the rent I can just move out and so I did and Mm -hmm. it really impacted us um it it, i I hate to describe it like it was a death but that's how it felt for me that's how i grieved well sure it is years actually it was years i just felt like this death of of a part of me because he was really my best friend and we didn't leave each other because we didn't love each other we just got into an argument and we were like 30 and you know at that time you think you're just at the height of everything and you can just do everything and you just don't you know and and you don't need somebody to tell you how to live Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't be like that to somebody you love but that's what happened and I mean even till this day he's he's still really kind of bitter about it um which still weighs on me some because I don't want him to be because I came to that point where I just accepted that, you know, we had a lot of faults and we didn't do the things we should have done. We didn't talk to each other. And it was, it was all pride and all ego. And I was like, I will never, I will never do that again. Never. never And I think, I think a lot of people find themselves in that same kind of situation too, where it's kind of like, um, like you have two separate lives that you're leading, like your mom and you're at home with the kids and you're, you know, doing this and he's off 
doing work and doing these other things. And so many people that I talk to say the same exact thing. And it's like communication breaks down. And then it's like your pride and your ego takes over and you're like, well, if you're doing, you're out with your friends all the time, I'm going to do the same thing instead of, you know, like talking and coming to compromises and stuff. A lot of people's relationships go the same way. And I know my first one did as well, but that's because he was a narcissist. <laughs> like big time narcissist, you know, and uh, <clears throat> drugs and booze and whatever. But yeah, it's like the communication completely went sideways and he was very <clears throat> egotistical and prideful and, and whatever. And I'm like, I'm just over here trying. And then I couldn't take it anymore. So, yeah. And there was no talking because he was never sober. Oh, God, no, you can't talk to a drunk person. No. Uh -uh. Not logically, anyway. <laughs> no, it doesn't It doesn't go well. And then usually when they're super drunk, um, they tell stories, and they can't remember what they told you when they told you. And then they'll tell you what they were really doing. And you're like, wait, I thought you said blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. No, that narcissistic twist after you say, but I thought you said, he's like, no, you weren't, you're just mixing my words up. You're just trying uh -huh. to entrap me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love narcissists. Mm -hmm. That was, that was the most difficult relationship I've ever had in my entire life. And <clears throat> I'm old. So I've had a lot of different relationships, but yeah, that was the, definitely the most challenging. Let's put it that way. So tell me about um, this ex-boyfriend and what he did, because I don't know him. Oh, you um, know. I, I, I <laughs> don't. I heard your show about him, and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if it's – I don't spend a whole lot of time on, on social media. Right. But um, from what you told me uh, – I would like to discuss this so I can discuss his behavior. Um, well, he is a, he's a narcissist. Um, and he has very grandiose stories. Um, he was basically memorizing all kinds of stuff, making it sound like it was his, which kind of is, you know, fraudulent when you're getting paid on Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, and not telling the truth to people who subscribe to you. They are paying you for the truth and you're lying to them. Um, it kind of just started with little discrepancies. And then, you know, the more you, you, the more you trigger some narcissistic people, they like to get, they, they have to make themselves grandiose to mm -hmm. reinforce their ego so they're going to tell you well i did this i did that so he started doing this like how he is so great at manipulating people and stuff like this and i was like mm -hmm. oh this is getting to where you know I'm, i might uh question if i need to go to jail over this or not right <laughs> so i when i finally just got to the end of it because i was like no you are you are a liar. Not only are you a liar, 
I have proof that you've been lying. So were, were you guys like living together at the time or anything? Um, we had a long distance relationship. Well, he was, he lived in Canada. So, you know, they had, we have those vaccine things. So he couldn't, you know, supposedly, oh my God, this is even worse. But supposedly he could not leave the country because he was unvaccinated. However, now looking back, I question it because he said that his brother hooked him up with a way to get a fake digital vaccination card. And he actually sent me the pictures of it saying that not only did he get the first vaccine, but he had gotten a booster. So now I'm thinking he probably really did do that because this is what kind of a lying, deceptive, awful person he is. That's him. Um, but that was the story at the point, that point is that he didn't have that. So um, he came down, we finally met face to face um, October of last year. Uh, now, when he got there, he started telling me these things. I was just like, what is this? <laughs> is this real? Is this, this is, is this real in his head? Mm -hmm. Just so many things, you know, like, and it, I just was like, oh, he's got to be crazy. This is a person that has a mental health issue. So were you calling him out along the way for stuff that well, you saw? Some of it, yes. Some of it I was. Yeah, I was like, what about this? And what about that? And I started to notice he would, you know, quickly explain it away. But then I would catch the same behavior, not even two weeks later. And I would, it would just be to the point where I could be like this and this. One of them's a lie. And he'd be like, no, that was this. Or no, that was that. And I was like, but I have. Trying to, trying to gaslight you into yeah. believing Yes, he is a gaslighter. Oh my God, to the extreme, to the extreme. So I just kept letting him talk and and just telling me all these different <laughs> stories. So I would keep asking. Um, even though most sane people, and I'm going to say I, I probably wasn't sane for just making it go that long, but most sane people, when a guy has said that he's not from this world, he walked through a portal and our, as in the U.S. Um, CIA and other intelligence agencies have known this for a while, and they just monitor him, and his family's not his real family, and, you know, if he doesn't go see them every couple weeks or so, get monitored because he can phase in and phase out i mean yeah you should most people would be like you got to go back home but i was just like <laughs> <laughs> i'd be like um treatment facility maybe <laughs> i know and i was just like wait 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 a minute i need to hear more of this i want to know how far does this go so how long into the relationship did you guys go before he starts telling you this cockamamie story. That was the first one. The first opening of the gate was, hey, I'm, you know, from a, the anti-world. And I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. I got to think about it. So he stayed all the month of October um, and went, well, yeah, all of October and like the first week of November. No, actually, 
it was the end of October and all of November. He went back home in December and he came back in January. Okay, so during these times, um, he had he had kind of, he had told not only the Patreon subscribers, but also some other um, podcast uh, people that he had just, he had cracked anti gravity, and he was being fed this information from some very high up people but he couldn't disclose who it was. And I was like, there's no way in hell that this is true because all of a sudden he supposedly knows all this physics information when I know just a couple months ago, he couldn't figure out the angles of a triangle and they're given. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what's going You're on. Wait a minute. Was this was this when the CIA plugged you in? Is this when you got your download information? <laughs> what he was saying that he was downloaded. Okay, and it, it, it evolved from there. Not only did he say that, then it was, well, I had a dream, and in this dream, this blue being came, and I just felt this thing. Okay, well, this is what he told me, but then when he tells it to other people, all of a sudden he was visited by this blue alien. And I was like, you told Michael, Sa Michael Sally you was visited by a blue alien. The one guy who supported Corey Good and his blue alien story, that's why you changed it. You just changed it because you wanted that hundred other more subscribers. That's what you wanted. And that's why I really was like, you are changing your story in order to get what you need from the people that you're talking to. And this mm -hmm. includes Ross Colhart, which it, he has got to be. And I'm hoping he's a really good person at heart himself. But as a media person, he is either really stupid or he is just playing the game like everybody else. Because the stories that he would tell this guy, he would eat them up so much so that he got in contact with a billionaire friend of his that owns this robotics company to talk to this ex-boyfriend because this ex-boyfriend, of course, had cracked anti-gravity and he wanted to start all these projects and releasing it to the public because that's what he was chosen to do. I was like, oh, well, this is mighty special. Aren't you special? <laughs> Not only are you so special to be given all this information by the CIA and Lou is just your best friend altogether, you know, and he never stabs anybody in the back or makes up anything. Um, but you also have aliens coming. Oh, and you're not even from this world. Jeez, that's a lot on one plate to be living with your parents still. Now, if he was an alien and he wasn't from here, um, wouldn't you think that aliens would be smarter than us in the first place? And why uh, would they need, why would he need the CIA to do anything? I, I, you know, I'm sure he would have an answer readily available for that. It wouldn't really answer your question, but he'd have a 30 minute speech prepared to bore the hell out of you so that you wouldn't remember what you asked. So <laughs> I don't know this person like at all. But is he like a podcaster? Is yes, he? 
is. He's still podcasting? Oh, yeah, he is. Does mm -hmm. he have a big show? Uh, I think when I first met him, it wasn't so big. I think now he's got like maybe, you know what, I don't know. The last time I even we even talked about, I think he was like at 20,000, 25,000 on YouTube. Maybe like 200 to 300 people on Patreon. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. Um, it would be interesting to interview him. Boy, I would have some questions. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, well, he didn't really like um me and drew having a conversation even though you know during that entire talk discussion we never brought up who the person was any names nothing like that but he felt that we were attacking him enough that he threatened not only myself my daughter um drew and some other people that he was going to sue us for defamation. And we're like, okay, we'll do it, buddy. Cause you're going to have to prove that what we said wasn't true. So somebody's going to go down and I don't think it's going to be us. And especially with the stories that you've told, you really want to sit there in court and tell people that this is, you know? Um, and so what he ended up doing because you know, there are a circle of us. And I mean, I had to, I didn't know what was going on. I had to reach out for support. I had mm -hmm. to find out. Not only had he ended up threatening like us, he has done this to previous people, stalk them, threaten them, um, hack into their computers, doing all kinds of stuff. And what he was saying and what he had said to me was, you're going to attract attention that you don't want. Like, you're going to look bad because I'm in black ops and, you know, these black ops people don't want this stuff told. And if you tell it, they're going to come after you. And I was like, bring the boogeyman on. Bring him on then, dude. So he's an alien CIA black ops. <laughs> I know. I'm telling you, it just keeps getting worse. I'm going to get some popcorn. <laughs> this is, so ultimately, he really got angry. Um and I think this is before me and Micah Dank got into it on Twitter. And I was just like, you know what? You're just as ass about as he is. And I'm going to block you. Um, he got on his personal account because, you know, he's not going to put it on his podcast account. No, his personal account. I get a DM that morning from Drew. And he was like, I hate to be the one to show you this. But look what he did. He posted semi-nude pics of me on Twitter saying that I was a honeypot. Um, I used to work for the government and that I send many men nude pictures. I was like, but those two pictures are from the same conversation and you can like kind of tell, but that wasn't even the point. It was just like, Oh my God. So he did that. And then a week later brings out this podcast about ad hominem attacks. And I was like, Oh my you could not defend what you are calling an attack against you, even though you were never called out nor named. This is how you, you can't defend it. So you post nude pictures of me on the internet. That's an ad hominem attack. You jackass. You're mm -hmm. so dumb. So um, I had to go through Twitter and um, 
file a FBI cybercrime report for it to get it removed. Uh, it did not affect his primary account any, um, but it did get at least that removed on his personal account. That's so insane. And you know, um, you're the second of a, well, a second group, I should say, of people just like that. There was somebody else in the podcast community that was literally running around attacking other podcasters, calling them names, uh, getting all psycho, threatening them, threatening their family, the whole nine yards. Um, and this person is a works with a very large podcaster let's put it that way works for him and it was like multiple people were sending me messages about you know like the crazy shit this person is is saying to him and what they're going to do to their kids and their family members and and stuff and i'm like you know and then somebody would call them out and then they'd like deny that it ever happened and i'm like okay everybody has messages showing proof that you did this yeah i had messages lots and even a 30-minute conversation that i recorded because it was getting to the point i was just like what if you're in my house you threatened my daughter like he got in her face and I was like, look, if it comes between you and my daughter, you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. And you're in the wrong place to come down here with your Canadian ass and mm -hmm. act like that in my house. When I have every right to point a gun in your face until you get the hell out of my damn yard and my mm -hmm. house. And that is legal. It is legal for me to do that. Exactly. Because that's how bad it got. So... Are you still having any problems with this person or did they kind of just finally go away? Um, it seems like for the most part, they've just gone away. Um, so I, I think that I didn't get as much of the harassment that the other people did. Um, probably I'm hoping because he knows like I, if I wanted to, I could release all of it. I could release it all, all of them. You know, I don't really have anything writing on my text. I don't have, you know, 300 people on Patreon paying me to lie to them. I have a job. I have a family. I have a home. Mm -hmm. I'm not relying on stuff like that. So, you know, I could look really stupid and I felt really stupid, but I don't have anything to hide. You do. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> how did you I can't believe that this happened like under your roof at your house how, how did like your your daughter handle that when he was there oh she was ready to fight <laughs> she was ready to fight she was just like no because she was calling him out like way before um, and he had he had gotten oh, it, this and the argument between them came between he had sent me this picture while I'm out grocery shopping of he said, I need to get you a new spoon. But look what I did. And I'm like, what? Why are you destroying my utensils? 
he bit my spoon. And he was like, I did it with my mind. And I'm like, I think that maybe there's shit outside you could have done with your mind instead of bending up forks and spoons at my house. What is wrong with you, dude? And mm-hmm. you did it. How do I know you did it? I know you took a picture. You're supposed to be all crying because what? You're so superhuman. Right. Powerful. And you didn't see him do it in the first place. No. And so my daughter <laughs> is like, are you insane, dude? Are you crazy? What are you doing? Why are you going around people's houses messing up their stuff like that? And that just started the snowball. He started getting sock puppet accounts because this is, you know, what he does and harassing her. She has an online business. He was getting over there and harassing her. She called him straight out on his Instagram. She listed everything. She was like, you were at my house doing this. And if you ever say this to my mom and I know what you're doing and they don't know and blah, blah, blah. And of course he has like this cult, like little group. And they were like, oh, of course, you know, when you have such secrets, you're going to have people like this coming after you. And I'm like, y'all are so retarded. It is ridiculous. Y'all have drank more than Kool-Aid. It's LSD, crack, all of it together. You put it in a slurry, went to McDonald's, had them throw some Grimace in and drank it. This is how bad y'all are right now. Um, And so he started threatening her like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do i'm gonna start doing stuff to make it so bad your daughter's not gonna be able to even open her phone she's gonna get all depressed she'll want to kill herself and i was like dude i'll run you over with the car and not care so yeah you got you you have to go or i'm gonna threaten your life that's how serious this is that's that's so scary that that people are that insane and that kind of ties into what to what I wanted to talk about, um, which was Operation Delirium. But um, nice segue into that because uh, somebody is a little delirious in their their daily life. How about that? Yes. So I want to go over this because you posted about this a while back and most people probably have never, ever heard of this. So this <clears throat> tying into the blue beam stuff mm-hmm. really, really sounds like your ex. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes. I was like, that is so perfect. So for people who do not know what Operation Delirium is, tell me what that is. Well, let me get my little notes here because I made some more, some extras. Um, well, I'll tell you how I came to it because what I was looking for wasn't this specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've been going through is this sex cult connection to the UFO psyop. And it just seemed kind of weird to me. I was like, there's something really going on with this sex call, these pedos and the UFO psyop. They're all coming together. Mm-hmm. Why are they related? And then people were like, oh, you know, the Crowley stuff. And I was like, I mean, yeah, Crowley, Parsons, Scientology, yes. But they didn't start it. They just mimicking some other stuff. And matter of fact, not only are they mimicking, they made a lot of it up too. But there is a root to it that they believe 
was was going to affect a change in them and their power. So where did this come from? And I had seen um, Frankism. And I was like, that sounds really close because in Frankism, you do the most vile things that would traumatize, I mean, mentally fracture a normal person. And it's all in the name of breaking yourself down to build yourself back up because you can't start mid-level. You have to start from the bottom, the Jacob's ladder, and work your way up. And that is their mentality of it. But I was like, okay, well, there has to be something even beyond Frankism. You know, this was just the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Where's the rest? Because this has to, even if it comes from 30 different places, these pieces have to come from somewhere. And it led me to the antinomianism. And I was like, okay, we have this. And it has to tie in to this outer space alien agenda stuff. Like, And it was more of um, them trying to I guess deface or they will they will call it a connection like to God. That's the only way for you to get to God is to do these most vile things in order to catch your attention. And they just cross over to where it's like an alien God. It's just this is the name that we have now because that's what there, they are, there are some religions that believe the whole space spaceship mm-hmm. uh, thing. Mm-hmm. They take that it. are practicing religions today, and I mean mainstream religions. Yeah, they do. And the reason why this guy came up is he had written an essay to Playboy called Sex in Outer Space. And I was like, isn't that really weird? That's really weird. You are a psychiatrist in the military writing a playboy about sex in outer space. So, you know, it was just like, this is a wild story. And when I looked him up, up came the Operation Delirium. And I was like, this is going in a direction I wasn't thinking I'm going, but I'm going over here because I can always come back into, you know, alien sex later. There's there's miles of it, I'm sure. (laughs) Anybody interested in alien sex? We can do a whole show on it. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god so i start reading it and they were given the dates and the location and i was like wait wait a minute this is not too far from and in the same year and maybe a month apart from the betty and barney hill story and i was like uh, <laughs> this is this is sounding right because in the original story she said that it was military. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And it was, he, he directed an arm. I have to find this too. He directed an army film called cloud of confusion. And when I heard that, I was like, it's in the air. Wow. Because they can cause, and we're studying mass, hysteria and this mass hysteria also results in mass shared delusions kind of like the present day mass Mm -hmm. formation psychosis 
Right. So mm. yeah, it's not a new term. It's just a now term. <laughs> so that is where I was like, it's all too easy. They could just spray the stuff through the air like they do all the time and we complain mm-hmm. about all the time. And depending on where they spray it, we all just share the same delusion. So mm-hmm. we are living in this state where you can get drugs that make you not even realize what reality you're in and be bombarded with these waves, these frequencies that they're pumping out to do the same thing. And I just got walled with, is anything real at all? Mm-hmm. Like, it hit me. I was like, okay, back up, back up, back up. We're going to listen with all real. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> like, stop, stop. Yeah, you fell down in the well. There's the whole get out. So um, I'm reading through it, and it was just the experiments they did, it just kept sounding like every, you know, UFO story that there was. And this blue beam wouldn't, you know, we're expecting some projecting in the projection, you know, in the sky. And I was like, it doesn't even have to be real. It didn't have right. to be physical at all. You just spray hey, wait. it doesn't have to be real at all. Kind of like the India moon landing recently <laughs> that looked like an Atari, <laughs> old That's Atari so graphics. <laughs> no, this is what's so shameful about this. And I hate Cliff I in one of his little Substack videos said that the guy, Ken Schwartz from C60, had figured out the mechanism to help the Indian scientists land that thing and i was like oh my god did all of y'all have to be wrapped up in the psyop too or all of y'all getting paid by the same people can there not just be one that isn't with the bullshit jesus i'm tired of sifting through i am that. not getting paid by anyone <laughs> that, that is what makes it so bad it's like we're like little pebbles you know and there's rocks everywhere nobody wants to touch the pebbles it's like, but we're the only ones that are actually on the ground where we have the perspective to see that the rocks are bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rocks aren't real either. No, the rocks are not real. <laughs> well, you know what I what I found interesting about that um, the Operation Delirium is that it went on forever for so long, like from. The 1948, I think it was, to like 75, and mm-hmm. supposedly was shut down, wink, 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 just right. like everything else they say. But it's like, there. this is an army facility, <laughs> Army <laughs> Chemical Corporation, yeah. that was doing this experimenting with multiple different things, which oh, is yeah. very, very interesting for me because... Um, this is a list of some of them. <laughs> so they have uh, nerve agents like VX and sarin gas. Uh, when I lived in Indiana, we had a facility that housed all of the VX gas because they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So it's literally sitting in this facility there. And of course they can't, they're not supposed to ship that anywhere or whatever because they're deadly nerve agents. Um, and so uh, pesticides, interesting. 
mustard agents, which, hmm, those were outlawed in the Geneva Convention um, and swore that they would never uh, use these things for any reason but uh, mustard agents, which also uh, mustard nitrogen was used as our first chemotherapy method, by the way. Um, and then they had nerve agent antidotes, which these are still in use today, like atropine and scopolamine. Scopolamine is prescribed by doctors literally all the time for dizziness or seasickness or whatever. And atropine is what we give people for quote ODs. Um, let's see. And then, uh, of course, LSD, PCP, cannabis, uh, benzodiazepines, uh, irritants and riot control agents and alcohol and caffeine. Mm -hmm. And so this scientist guy that was doing this, um, let's see, I think his name was Dr. Luther or Luther Wilson green. He was the technical director of all this. He said, um, Throughout recorded history, wars have been characterized by death, human misery, and destruction of property, each major conflict being more catastrophic than the one preceding it. I am convinced that it is possible by means of the techniques of psychochemical warfare to conquer an enemy without the wholesale killing of its people or mass destruction of property. Now, hmm... So if they've been experimenting with, and that was just a very small list of the agents that they were uh, commonly using, but they're using these in targeted psychochemical warfare and have been since 1948. And of course, before that, because, uh, you know, Tavistock Institute and all that good business. But if they've been experimenting with these psychochemicals to use only in warfare, um, you know damn good and well they're not using them just in warfare. And that would explain why people are so blanketed with psychotic behavior, blindness, believing these crazy things that are going on. And you tying it into Project Bluebeam is beautiful because look at all the AI stuff we have now mm -hmm. and the um, CGI and things like that where they don't even, you know, Hollywood's on strike because they want to use like AI images of them instead of using actual actors. They want to use their AI images to do stuff. So how easy would it be to spray like they do on the chemtrails for us to see spaceships and aliens, not like the fake ones that were revealed in Mexico the other day. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there because I was like, oh my lord. I don't even know what to say about those little aliens. <laughs> I could probably make one of those that would be a little more realistic. I would paint it really well too. 
Yeah. And they're a thousand years old. Now, right. how, did, how did they date those? All intact, too. I mean, they can't even get dinosaur bones intact, but that little alien was roughing it. Right. And how do you know that these aliens are carbon beings? Because we are as humans, but how do you know aliens are? So how would you carbon date something that doesn't have any carbon elements? I'm curious. Well, they don't want you to catch that detail. Science! You're not sciencing! <laughs> We're supposed to trust it, but you're My like... science is all wrong. <laughs> They're not being funded by the right people. So, um, with this Operation Delirium, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that your ex... Um, was sprayed with uh, VX gas or something, and that is how he came from another planet, descended upon the CIA, and turned into a black ops. Oh, and his family was also mafia, by the way. That's that's another. Oh, way. I mean, okay. there's there's so much, there's so much. I forget, there's so much. <laughs> I think but, they sprayed my ex-husband with this as well, but that's beside the point. With um, also what adds a little bit more credibility to this um, chemtrail situation was that in 1964 they actually did a field test mm -hmm. for the aerosol experiments and they called it Project Dork. Mm -hmm. Like, were y'all just this was funny to y'all? You were aerosolizing this BZ, it wasn't LSD, no, it was the, the stuff that kept you in a stupor for weeks. Mm -hmm. Aerosolized. Mm -hmm. They couldn't even monitor who was getting how much. No wind. They didn't even care about wind direction. Nothing. Doesn't matter. We're going to spray. See how far it goes. Let's see what happens. So, you know. well, and they have done multiple things like that with aerosols, mm -hmm. where uh, where they just drop it, and they've done that literally for for a very long time now, decades now. Where it's like certain things and they'll just, you know, uh, spray over like Philadelphia or New Jersey yeah. or, yeah. you know, whatever different, different substances. I mean, hell, Bill Gates is dropping his mosquitoes and these ticks, you know, yeah. that are genetically modified to give people meat allergies because, you know, cows are the problem. I wonder if they're Monsanto resistant. <laughs> That's a very good question. And are, you know, with all of these things that they do and it, it pains me to say, I'm sorry, but there are some idiot class of people who will be like, Oh, this is totally not true. Yep. Been debunked. It's, it's not true. You can actually go and find in the government archives papers on these projects mm -hmm. on every single one of them that the government has ever performed. They have a paper trail. There is documentation on this and this program ran for what? 30 years, more than 30 years. It was called the medical research volunteer program. Also called the human experimentation program. Mm-hmm. It's but it wasn't like really a volunteer program. No. 
it was kind of like the Tuskegee experiment. Yeah. You know, and all the other little things they've done to uh, military members all throughout the ages um, as to, you know, and this goes along with um, like the Tavistock stuff. They were experimenting on their soldiers over there in the UK because they were trying to figure out how they could break them, what their breaking point was. And it was like repeated you know experimentation on these soldiers to to make them break down and that's modern day like anything they can do to break down your psyche and your spirituality and your love of family love of god country you know whatever anything they can do to break all of that down and fracture your personality or fracture your mind makes it much easier for them to enforce control. And especially with programs like this and, you know, gaslighting everybody. Oh, there's no chemtrails. That's a contrail from an airplane. Chemtrails don't exist. Oh, but we have, you know, John Brennan and we have generals and stuff that are testifying that yes, chemtrails do exist and, and it's for the good of society that we do this because, you know, global warming, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. Gaslighting, thinking that that this is not going on when obviously it is. Mixed with the weather modification and, you know, 5G signals and stuff. So watch out for October. What is it? October 4th, where they're supposed to have the the whole, the FEMA nationwide oh, female yeah. response thing that's supposed to like amplify 5g signals and stuff and i'll say like when i was looking into even like the 5g stuff a while back uh, the chinese were already like they're already to this six seven working their way to eight mm -hmm. so i can't even imagine what I couldn't imagine what goes on with them over there and how you would wonder how could anybody be happy in that situation. But if you had to pick up and find just a little bit of happiness there, you wouldn't really, uh, you wouldn't know the difference because you're not free to just travel about. Mm -hmm. Well, coming soon to United States near you. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Well, and it's kind of like um, another thing you posted about was those 15-minute city Monopoly games. Yes. And I was like, and people are so, oh, my God, like, it would be awesome, like, if I never had to, like, you know, leave my little quadrant and it could be great and I don't ever have to. How are you going to travel to see family, friends? Is your job outside of that? Are you going to have to get a pass? to get outside of your zone and mm -hmm. what in history did they have zones for? Well, um, that multi-pass that everybody always made fun of being like, that's not a true movie. Well, your multi-pass to get you out and through different levels will prove it. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, and that's exactly what they did, you know, in, in Nazi Germany. 
you know, you had a card, you had a pass out system. This is, you know, where you're allowed to go or people that weren't allowed to go anywhere or these people were put in camps or, or whatever. And there has been places in the United States where governors, and this has been in the news lately, and I don't remember what state it was, but they're, they won in court over this, like, quarantine, basically, facility that they were wanting to, to mandatorily uh, put people in, like, whoever, whatever health official deems that they should be, you know, put somewhere or whatever. So I'm like, okay, so these 15-minute city monopolies, like, don't give anybody pause. They're like, oh, this is the best game ever. I no, it's like one. shooting fish in a barrel. It's so much easier to catch. And you're like, oh, it's my city Opoly because every Walmart had your city Opoly and you could buy the game. That's so creepy. I'm sorry, but I don't need a Monopoly game to... to well, even itself, Monopoly. They're it's all a Monopoly. Mm -hmm. Well, and not to mention, um, for people out there who are religious, okay? So you're buying these things because you need to memorialize or have a keepsake of your city. You're making idolatry of something mm -hmm. that is not God. Not cool. Just saying, <laughs> had to throw that in there. Got to be something religious in every in every show. It's true though. <sighs> Just like that mask they were wearing, they idolized it so much. Yes, and and there's people that still do, you know. <laughs> and it's like uh, to the point where you see them not only you know out and about but you see them outside you see them in their own home you see them like sitting in a recliner in their house with the mask on and i'm like <laughs> is, is you your house really that skanky i'm just gonna ask that question because you know that that is a whole nother level of something or alone in your car hypochondriacs yes fear-based manipulation and gaslighting you into believing not only that aliens are coming or that aliens are here or that certain podcasters are aliens from another planet realm <laughs> i don't <laughs> wherever he's from a whole anti-earth <laughs> A black hole. Hmm. That's a very <laughs> deep subject. But yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a crazy thing to think that this has become so commonplace as far as the delirium and stuff because medications do the same thing, like pharmaceutical medications. Mm -hmm. Hence the benzos and then people's personalities change and they fracture because it crosses the blood 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 brain barrier and it's hard for people to distinguish reality so in these a lot of these psych meds cause massive hallucinations yep 
So maybe what they're spraying segments on the population. We're putting them accidentally in the water. Mm-hmm. That's where they or, or the food supply, GMO, GMO food supply, or their, uh, what is it? Miracle meat or whatever oh, their new. God. Yes. Their pre-printed meat comes. <laughs> you Honey, can... hook up that printer. I need a steak for dinner. <laughs> I need a steak for dinner for a person who's bipolar and depressed. Can you like just get that steak on <laughs> They will be cool by the, by the dessert round. They'd be like using a POS system at a restaurant. You could just one of these days like type in all that stuff in your little computer at home and you know scan your and it'll it'll get your food for you pre-medicated mm -hmm. well and we have to have a robot that delivers it to the table because if i have to eat things like that then i sure don't want to cook or clean up so it can do it all for me right if it gets to that point yes i don't i want to be like those fat people on wally i'm just so fat i, can't I cannot get out of the chair right I want the chair to move for me, and I want it to move when I think. I don't want to have to tell it. Oh, see, you got to get the chip. Got to get the implant chip, and, and it'll do that for you. And the Neuralink will be your link to everything, just like Elon wants. The everything. That's right. All you have to do is take part in X, um, and you could be a guinea pig in a secret experiment, just like Operation Delirium, and you don't even know it. <laughs> you get AI your brain. So, anyways, thank you for joining me today. It was a beautiful, lovely conversation, darling. Thanks. And I want to know where can people find you? Um, it's on Twitter. It's at aka underscore brandy renee, and it's all lowercase. And TikTok, I made it the same so that. I won't forget because I forget what passwords. So I want to do the same. So on TikTok, it's at AKA underscore Brandy Renee. <laughs> I love that. It makes it so much easier when everything is straight across the board. Mine, unfortunately, is not anymore. My Twitter is different because, you know, I've had more than one account. <laughs> and yeah, got it got booted um a long time ago. And so now I have a different name on Twitter. <laughs> Anyways, lovely. It was a fantastic conversation. I quite enjoyed it. You are very fun to hang out with. And for the listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. Have a good one, guys.